You're listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Making Business Profitable podcast with profitability experts Dave Kapkowitz and Mike Watkins. Coming at you from 5,675 feet in lovely Golden, Colorado. My name is Dave Kapkowitz and I'm here with Michael Watkins living our mission statement to impact lives through improving business performance. We accomplish this by coaching, speaking, and educating so you can live your best life. Good day, Dave. Good day, Michael. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. We finally get a break in the weather here in Colorado. It's a beautiful sunny day. It Not is. a cloud in the sky. It is. It is. It's uh, We've had plenty of rain lately, so it's nice to have. Yeah, but you've been down, so you you probably were <laughs> indifferent to uh, I'm just I'm just getting back. I'm just getting back on my feet. So for those of you that don't know, I just finished up having a uh, kidney surgery and uh, I was down for about for about a week or so. So I'm just now getting on my feet. I, I told Mike I'm about 70 percent, but I uh, had some very, very large stones in one of my kidneys, about six of them. And they had to go in my kidney and operate for about two hours. They were working in my kidney and uh, my kidneys all patched up. We're good to go. And uh, now my body's you just tell me to rest a little bit extra. But it, I told Wendy the other day, this is the first time in 16 months I've been pain-free. Yeah, that's a, so, that's a blessing for sure. So, yeah. So well, we got that out of the way. Good deal. What are we going to talk about today? So if we're talking, just hear a That's just me falling down. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, we were talking, and, and we, this has come up before. But the management versus leadership, people talk about management, people talk about leadership. What are the differences? I know you have uh, spoken on this for years and years. But uh, the more shops we deal with, you know, we are in and out of and talk to around 100 different businesses in North America. And with that, you know, it comes to life every time we walk in or out of a facility. It really does. And and maybe we if we talk about management versus leadership, we should do a comparison contrast first and then we can talk about the implications. Totally feeling you there. Okay. So let's do a comparison contrast. Yeah, so I'd say the first thing is uh management is typically you're managing the status quo. So you have a business plan mm-hmm. and it's up to management to execute the business plan. You're managing the going concern. It is what it is. And you're just keeping the eyes and nose in the right spot. Totally, totally. Um, you compare and contest, contrast that to leadership. Uh, a leader is going to break down the status quo. Uh, the impact is a breakdown of the status quo because the leader sees change on the horizon mm-hmm. and articulates a vision for that change, right? And um, so I think about... Me and you have a McDonald's franchise, right? And uh, we could manage the hell out of a, Ma- a McDonald's franchise. Yes. We'd probably go, probably be eating some of the profits, but yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we would do that too. But but I'm saying, you know, forever, a management, a uh, 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 McDonald's could just be managed. Mm-hmm. It didn't require any real leadership any real vision you just you have a playbook that everyone knows how to run so ever all the plays are known 
you know exactly what to do. Everything from turning the store on, opening it up, to closing it down at the end of the day, and what to clean and how to clean it, and which part to wipe first, and totally everything. Where to get your food, how to cook the food. You don't have to. There's no, what do you call it? No ingenuity. Yeah. Needed. No, no innovation. No. No innovation. No nothing. Until, what the last eighteen months? You know, McDonald's owners, well, actually, probably McDonald's corporate, and they pass it down through the owners, realized we ain't ever going to get any more employees. Yeah, they they had the first fully automated store open up. Yeah, I mean they they had to. That was out of necessity, but that was leadership, right? Because some uh, restaurants didn't and didn't make it. I remember as a kid, you know, you'd you get a job at the McDonald's and they teach you some basic work skills in the very beginning. You know, you wouldn't make much money, but you had to hustle. You had to make sure everybody got their orders. You had to learn customer service and people interaction. You had to work with each other. Sure. Right. You had to learn so, to get there on time. So a lot of us in the beginning worked fast food to understand that. And the only bad thing about that going more and more automated is there's a lot of young people that won't get that experience. The, impact, the impact across a lot of industries because there's no longer any entry-level jobs or won't be because of robotics is, uh, is frightening, right? <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there. But uh, different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Different podcast. I, you know, I look at management versus leadership. If I could paint a word picture inside my brain, and I know this might concern you, but uh, say you have a train, okay? You have a manager is, you have two seats in front of the train. You have the engineer pushing all the buttons, pulling all the levers, everything else. Then you got like a, a co-conductor, if you will, or somebody maybe not in the front seat, but maybe in the first car, the guy who walks around taking all the tickets. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So a manager would be the guy going around taking all the tickets. They know what rail you're on. They just want to make sure, hey, you're getting from here to there. Punch your ticket. Make sure I charge you the right amount of money. Make sure I get all the right people off the right stop. Sure, sure. And we're going. But the leader, not only conductor, but he's making sure that they're on the right track, that the tracks are the right tracks to go on. Sure, sure. That everything's in good shape, that the train's in good shape. And it's his job to get everybody on the train. Where the where the other guy is doing nothing but punching tickets, making sure, hey, we're going from here to there, and you're getting your here, pay me this money, and this is where you're getting off. But the leader is saying, hey, get on my train. This is where we're going. This is why we're going there. For sure. Is and that I, yeah. is that a weird word picture? But no, no. I think I think when we talk about culture, it, that's certainly the role of the leader to establish a culture. And in organizations where they lack leadership, the culture is what they got. It, it, you're going to have a culture. It's just. I was thinking all the things, vision, motivation, culture. Sure, the sure. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Because you got to get people on the train. Well, yeah. I mean, um, get the right people on, on the bus, wrong people off the bus type right. deal. But, um, you know, so when we talk about management and, and we're coaching our clients, um, we're really talking about management. We're, we're coaching them to their budgets. We're mm-hmm. coaching them to their metrics, right? Um, we're trying to develop the management skills of their employees so they can deal with conflict management and communication and all those good things. Because if you don't, you're just at ad hoc all the time. Yes, yes. I mean, you can't manage anything that's ad hoc. No, not at all. <laughs> all you're doing is putting out fires. All you're doing point. is putting out fires. So you have to have budgets. You have to have metrics, just like you said, to be able to manage it in the first place. Sure. A lot of small companies, they don't even do that. Right, right. So, they, so yeah. Don't, don't have any idea how they got here. 
And as a result, they're going to be here again next year, and they're going to be here again next year. And they use what little leadership bone they have just to keep people coming back. Sure, sure. Believe in my shop, believe in where I'm going. I have a plan. I have a plan. There's no metrics. Everything's kind of ad hoc and gut feel, but... I know you like me and I like you. Let's work together. Yeah. <laughs> right? And we'll keep this thing going. We won't make a whole bunch of money, but we'll be okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see each other at the football game. Sure, sure. But um, Foosball. So what does that look like for the shops of the future, though, Dave, with, uh, with you know, you, you have a hard time finding employees, so our industry is being forced to move towards robotics, particularly at the low ends. And then... You're going to have an AI overlay, which all of a sudden is starting to hit your mid-level employees. I don't know. You don't think so? I, I think the AI in manufacturing specifically will do more analysis around the modeling and design. So the designer, like ProE is a software, and it was really written well, what would happen is, is you would design a model. Pro, you'd look at the model and tell you what tolerances are tight, what tolerances aren't, because you could design that in. And then, but the next in, step is to gen- generate the G code, right? Right. So AI will be able to uh, analyze the model, whether you have Pro E or not, tell you what's tight, and probably get you really close to a finished product as far as your G code. Now they have what they call AFR, automatic feature recognition, right? I just think. It's that amped up a little bit is what's coming. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to streamline a lot of programming. And I think on robotics, it's just machine tending. So if you have a, a job that runs thirty or 40,000 units a year, um, you got to ask yourself, are they going to pay you to sit in front of the machine and put it in here, clamp it, unclamp it, pull this out, put another one in, clamp it? Or are they going to have a $50,000 robot that sure. doesn't ever take breaks, doesn't ever use a restroom, and always shows up to work all the time? Yep. That you don't have to pay health insurance for, or they can have that do it. So I think those are the things you're going to deal with in manufacturing. The high-volume jobs are going to be at risk, high-volume repetitive jobs. Yeah. The high-volume, high-skilled jobs, I think, are going to be around for quite a while. It's going to – I just don't – I think they're going to be around a while. But I think it's going to take a business owner. It's going to take a machine shop owner who has vision because those opportunities – Will there be fewer opportunities? And so you'll have fewer people able to take advantage of the direction that manufacturing is going in. And so you either get absorbed by a larger company or or you have some vision. You know how you always talk about the 99.7% of companies employ 100 employees or more? Or less. Or Yeah. Yeah, 99.7% of companies... Um, employ 100 employees or less. Mm-hmm. And then the point three, um, employ more than 100 employees. Right. The point three are going to get on robotics AR training quickly because they have a lot of capital to, to deploy and they got they can have an engineering team go after it, right? Right, If right. you have 10 people, number one, you don't have a whole bunch of capital. And if you are, you're probably going to buy another machine with it. But you don't, sure as heck, don't have an engineering team to deploy to go ahead and build out the robotics side. But... Those smaller companies are going to get smaller runs. Sure. So sure. instead of the 300, 3 million units a year, they're going to get to 300, 3,000. You know, because that high changeover, it doesn't make sense to set up a robot or AI to do that. So they're, they're just going to 
put a bigger separation between the two. Yeah. So but, the, I, but I think the embracing AI, embracing robotics is going to happen much more on the larger companies, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Um, but I do think that um, the the bar gets raised if everybody, like today, if you have a really good programmer, that's a discriminator for your shop. And going forward, if some of these technologies make everybody pretty much have a good programmer, then all of a sudden the bar gets raised. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you got pricing wars. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what happens. And then how do you avoid pricing wars? Where that, that takes leadership. you got to figure out. You have to. You have to. Work. Because if your culture's in check, then all of a sudden you're producing more. Mm-hmm. Because culture just automatically produces more. Yeah. We've yeah. seen it time and time again. So, you know, we, we hear people talk about management and leadership in the same in the same uh, breath. And uh, it always gets to me because I'm, I'm a student of leadership and management is really important. Leadership is really important. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, they, b- people think they're equal. And I'm not quite sure how equal they are. I guess it depends. Um, back in 1950, they were probably, management was way more important than leadership because the shelf life of everything was forever. But I think including employees. Yeah. But I think the pendulum has swung where um things are happening so fast, so quickly in all walks of life. Um, if you're not taking control of things, if you're just waiting for things to happen to you, I'm I'm not quite sure where you end up. Well, I think the generations starting with Gen X and younger, um, they crave leadership. I think half of Gen X and the Bay Boomers, they crave management. I don't need you to lead me. Just tell me what the heck to do. Tell me where to dig the hole. I'll go dig the hole. Totally. Right? Yeah. But the the younger Gen X or the millennial lead me. I want to work for somebody I trust. I want to work for somebody that I believe in. Because I can go over here and get another job. Why would I stay with you if I don't trust you and yeah. I don't believe in you? Yeah. yeah. Right? The older Gen Xers, the Baby Boomers... We remember when you better take this job because you're not going to get another one. That's right. That's right. right. So it's two different mentalities because we've experienced that, right? Yeah. The younger generation haven't experienced that because they blink their eyes and go get another job tomorrow. Sure, sure. So I think your statement about leadership wasn't as important. I mean, it's always been important, but your leadership wasn't as important in the 50s and 60s. Today, I think leadership is paramount if you want to retain employees. I notice... uh one year notes on employee engagement. Employee engagement is clearly a management thing, you know, to set things up. But that's also clearly a culture thing and how it's set up. That's the only one that kind of crosses between both. You can have an employee engagement plan, which is managing it. Yeah. But executing that is leadership, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I watched the uh, the Nike movie that was kind of based on that How book. was that? I oh, haven't seen it. Dude. Shoe Dog, what, right? Yeah, it's based on the book Shoe Dog. What a great movie. What's the name of the movie? I can't remember the name of the movie, but it had uh, Ben Affleck. It had, uh, uh, who's the guy who's Jason Bourne? Um, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Um, it well, had, uh, it had uh, who's the black guy with that was in Shanghai Noon with uh, with the Chinese? Jack Chang, Chris Rock. Chris, uh, Chris something. Chris... Yeah. Not Chris Rock, the other one. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, a who's who. 
And um, but in that movie, they were true to the book. At critical junctures, um, Phil Knight at Nike made some leadership decisions that really um, kind of flew in the face of what they were trying to do from a management standpoint. I mean, they were a growing company and they were trying to control growth and trying to control finances. Um, but at critical junctures, Phil Knight, you know, made some leadership decisions that uh, did change the, the trajectory of that business going forward. It's, it's, really, it's really something to see. So you got you gotta you gotta check that that movie out. Man, I'm uh I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Now apparently um Michael Jordan's mom was the one who made the deal for him with Nike. But uh I Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. I looked it up last year, twenty twenty two. Nike paid Michael Jordan two hundred and eighty five million dollars. So he 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 his contract was I get a percentage Indeed. of every shoe. Yes, yeah, and he wanted Adidas, remember? Yeah, yeah, and his he mom. wanted Adidas. He's, he used Converse. He, he wore Converse growing up, and then he liked Adidas, and he thought that's for a deal. And his his mom was like, "No, Nike's where you're gonna go." Yeah, and he's like, "Yes, ma'am." Yes. And that's just how it went. And, and side note, you know, he sold his his stake in the Wizards. Did he? So he bought the Wizards for like two hundred and two hundred and some million dollars. I think they're selling for three billion. Wow! So I think his, his ROI is really good. He's going to maintain a minority stake. Yeah, but well, uh, well he needed that, he needed the money though. Yeah, I mean. yeah the cigars he smokes. Yeah. There's a lot of golf and stuff like that. And then the cast of characters. Remember his new club, his yeah. golf club. Yeah, it's like crazy. Like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's, it's a short list, but uh, it's uh, yeah, that guy knows how to make money. Well, you know. It wasn't his vision. He's a good ball player. It was it was his mom's vision, right? I mean, somebody's stepping in, and certainly that's what we try to do for our clients. We try to to be that visionary and come alongside them and say, okay, what what can we do differently to make sure that we we increase our profits? So, I mean, I I don't know, Dave. I think my my uh, closing comment would be that uh, there was someone who said that the big don't eat the small, the fast eat the slow. We've we've saw that and we've read that and uh, I think that epitomizes the idea that uh, management has always been if you're big you're good, but we take the space program you got Lockheed Martin and these other companies they can't get a of a, a spaceship to the space station and SpaceX this tiny little startup fires one up about every other day i mean it's just amazing it's crazy how often they go up yeah yeah it's uh if i were to say the last thing about management leadership a lot of shops don't have management because they don't have metrics budgets and and et cetera et cetera but if you're going to run a business it's a going concern you need to have a good management structure you need to have management plans you need to be able to run by those plans you got to have the data and the ability to analyze those data, a- analyze that data, and figure out where you are at any given point in time. But once you have that data, now it's time to take that and energize your crew, get everybody on board, enjoying work as much as they can enjoy work, 
make sure they're going to be here tomorrow long term, right? Mm-hmm. And if change happens in the business, because all businesses, they they morph, they change, they grow. They have to, right? Or they go, but when, go when, away. But when change happens, everybody grabs a hold of the oar and says, okay, that's cool. I love what we're doing. I love the shop. I love this business. And I'm going to help turn this in this direction it needs to go. And that culture, that change, that all the motivation, that vision that goes along with all those metrics, then you have something that's just really special. So it's not an either or. All the leadership, leadership today, I think, if I were to weigh it, it's 75% yeah. important. Yeah, because you have to call on it way more often now. Change is to. happening so fast. You yeah. have to. and But you, it's got to be both and. No doubt it's about gotta it. It's got to be both and if you're going to take a business to the next level and really compete. I like it. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. If you enjoyed this podcast and you're in manufacturing and you want to learn more about what we do, go to our contact tab at ebitagrowthsystems.com, E-B-I-T-D-A, growthsystems.com, and I'll be reaching out to you personally to see what we can do for you. You've been listening to the EBITDA Growth Systems Podcast, Making Business Profitable. 